Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. We have a lot of rumors for you on the program today, and a lot of this is going to be really fun. And even though, in a roundabout way, we don't quite know what all this adds up to as of yet, but at least gives us something to sink our teeth into. So for a couple of minutes, that's exactly what we're going to do. And around here, we can only be kind of, you know, disappointed so long before we finally kind of roll back and kind of uh, get back in character again and go full brand and we're going to do that today by making fun of those lousy stinking gators because there is reason to make fun of these gators here today let me uh, start with this trevor etienne you may have seen this the uh, florida running back has put his name into the transfer portal i want to show you this here on the screen for a moment because this as has been hinted at and whispered at and now maybe becoming a little bit more substantial perhaps has a little something to do with georgia here let's show you this from mark long mark has covered the florida gators for the associated press for uh, quite some time here and the uh, statement from long is is that he is hearing that florida running back trevor at the end as he moves into the transfer portal something that officially did yesterday is considering alabama georgia and ohio state right now now mark long also says that one of those destinations clearly would make his decision a lot tougher to swallow for florida fans that's mark long veteran reporter down there in florida on the idea that there is a top three for etienne which includes alabama georgia and ohio state now i want to get to the georgia part of this here coming up in just a moment but because i am spiteful and because i am petty let's begin by making fun of florida for all of this because you better believe that the etienne departure along the lines of the the princely uh is it Ulamon? he says his last name uh, all these transfers they've had here in, in recent days all sort of speaks to a very very big problem emerging right now for florida coach billy napier in fact i want to show you this uh on, on the screen what one of the uh, florida blogs which is called read and reaction uh has kind of put out here that the etienne transfer they say is a pr nightmare for florida and by the way they say that prior to the notion that that etienne might end up landing at george in fact i want to read you a couple of words here i don't typically do this but I want to give you uh, some of why it is that read and reaction here, a block site covering Florida thinks this is a PR nightmare. They write that Billy, this is Will Miles, the writer, Billy Napier came to Gainesville and immediately made the decision to revamp the recruiting class that Dan Mullen was putting together. Players like Nick Evers, a quarterback, Isaiah Bond, a wide receiver, they decided to go elsewhere. Uh, and Evers said that he didn't stick, uh, he didn't click after meeting Napier and Bond committed Alabama while calling Florida's dream school during his commitment announcement. Read and reaction will what miles the writer goes on to say those decommitments uh, weren't held against napier but the unspoken promise was that those commitments were a sacrifice in search of a larger goal namely putting together a transition class that would stick and provide value to uh, florida he says that's what looked to be the case in 2022 after guys like etienne shamar james and others came in but with all those guys transferring all of a sudden now a lot of florida fans looking around and saying what exactly does billy napier have to show for his first year on campus now kind of moving into his third year where they still haven't been able to have a winning record weren't even bowl eligible here this season and as other people have kind of pointed out online such a large percentage of those first signees are now entering the transfer portal 
you know, Billy Napier literally has nothing tangible to show at all for his first two years on campus. And Gator haters like me aren't the only ones saying that. Florida fans themselves and their block sites that serve those fans are looking around and sort of saying the same thing there too. So we can obviously take a moment here to laugh at Florida over all of this. But how about the idea that Mark Long kind of gives sort of full voice to what has been a rumor and sort of a whisper prior to this that the former Florida running back Etienne might eventually land his way at Georgia. Does this fit the idea of something that might actually work here for UGA? I think there are a couple of reasons to think that it might, and we're going to use Kirby Smart's previous words to help guide us there on this. First of all, if you want to go back to about this time a year ago, Kirby Smart was talking about how it is they evaluate who it is they might want in the transfer portal. Yes, it is true that Georgia did not use any transfer players along the way to winning a national championship in 2022, something that put it in sharp contrast to much of the rest of the sport. But as Smart was very clear, and he had every reason to sort of lie and kind of paint himself to be something that he wasn't a year ago, but he never did this. While it was obvious that he was very proud of the fact that all of the players that contributed to that national championship team a year ago were homegrown talent, Smart was still open about the idea, but that does doesn't mean under the right circumstances we wouldn't seek out a potential transfer player and smart a year ago told us exactly what it is that georgia was looking for when it seeks out transfer portal players despite the fact that it didn't take one in 2022 this is kirby smart on that topic well we didn't make a decision not to go in we we, 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 we called and recruited several guys um, that fit our criteria number one need number two culture Number three, we knew something about them out of high school. Um, they'd been on our campus, um, but we didn't get any of those guys. So it wasn't a, a, a philosophy. It was more of that's the way it played out. So that's Kirby Smart saying, hey, if we know something about a guy, if we think he's a fit for our culture, that's the guy, that's the kind of guy we might go after. Well, obviously we do know that when Etienne was a recruit that Georgia did have a bit of a relationship with him there there is some familiarity here which would make sense on the idea of what mark long from the associated press is officially reporting here that georgia might be alongside an alabama and an ohio stay a uh, a potential suitor and kind of a sort of a i guess unofficial top three maybe for etienne here right now and if this does move in the direction of etienne eventually landing in georgia it also fits in pretty well with a couple of the guys that georgia brought a year ago because for the 2023 season obviously georgia has leaned on transfers to a degree dominic lovett rob rod thomas both as wide receivers when they've been on the field i know rob rob battle injury here at the end of the year but when they've been on the field they've been pretty effective for georgia and i would suggest that previous experience in the sec was one of the reasons they were able to do that in fact smart you know going back to last spring and talking about their addition did kind of cite that experience in this league as a reason to possibly bring them in this is what kirby smart said then i think their experience i think when you talk about uh dom and, and rara they guys that have competed in our league they've caught a lot of passes in our league they've been very productive in our league and it was a position that we were losing several players at and we needed to be able to uh, help our quarterback. You know, your quarterbacks need some weapons to throw to, and, and those guys uh, do that. And then with. So there, there you go. That's Kirby Smart talking about that, that, hey, love it. And Ra Ra both had experience in the league. And so, therefore, it was easy to kind of imagine how they could be plugged into the Georgia offense given what they had done in the league prior to that. Now, if we would have said that moving into the 2023 season as it relates to Ra Ra Thomas and 
Dominic Lovett, then you can also say the same thing potentially about Trevor Etienne, the Florida running back, if he were to come to Georgia there as well. This is a guy that was seventh in the SEC last year, or in the season we're currently in, seventh in the SEC in yards per carry, ninth in the SEC in yards per game. This is an experienced, productive running back at the SEC level. I think it stands to reason if Etienne wants to come to Georgia, given what it's likely to lose the running back position, uh, then you obviously would want Trevor Etienne as a part of your program. And then I would also say this. I think the pursuit in the transfer portal for Georgia probably needs to be a little bit different moving forward than maybe it has been in the past. Georgia ahead of the 2022 season could look around and say, I think we're good. You know, they'd taken Darian Kendrick for the 2021 season. We're glad to have the former All-ACC cornerback. He became a big part of Georgia's secondary and a big part of the Georgia defense overall. In 2023, you know, bring in a Ron Rod Thomas, a Dominic Lovett, and you, you know, gave it a shot, uh, you know, with, with uh, Smoke Bowie. That didn't quite work out. But, but one of those things that these were valuable assets, you decided to give them a shot. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. In 2022, Georgia looked around and said, eh, I, don't think, I don't think we need anybody. We're shopping. We're, 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 in, we're in the market, but I don't quite see anything that matches our needs here right now, so you didn't have to do that. But that was a luxury that existed as long as you had the SEC East to kick around, and nobody kicked around the SEC East uh, quite as well as Georgia did, certainly for a long stretch of years that Georgia was able to do that. But in the absence of that division anymore and the inclusion of Texas and Oklahoma into SEC schedules, both 2024 and beyond, all of a sudden, the path to a college football playoff, even an expanded playoff, does get a little bit more difficult. And all of a sudden, doing everything you possibly can to make sure your roster is at its maximum strength, that's now the uh, directive for all the programs would think of themselves as championship contenders, George included. So we would say that Etienne is a possible fit for Georgia because we know they've pursued him in the past, uh, that he has had experience and success in the SEC. So that's a pretty important box checked. And this has to be, I think, an offseason where Georgia is in search of as many immediate impact players as it can possibly get. Now, that doesn't mean to say we want the entire Georgia roster to be completely made over by transfers. Of course not. Georgia's roster is too talented and deep to completely do that. But where you can add you know, SEC-ready guys, you probably need to. Defensive linemen, we'll talk more about Walter Nolan, LT Overton, players like that. Running backs like Etienne. With the schedule that Georgia has coming up and the need to probably kind of reboot the narrative here a little bit after the disappointing Alabama loss of here's why you get enthusiastic and here's why you get excited about the upcoming season, a big-time transfer like this would certainly help that conversation. We'll follow this and see where it goes. Now, that said, let me complete, let me sort of shift to something completely different here for a moment, although I guess at least in a roundabout way within the kind of the same category of conversation here. We have kind of gotten to that time of year where the uh, Georgia coaches and other coaches across college football are able to take those in-home visits. We talked about this yesterday. If you're wondering why that Orange Bowl press conference got canceled, well, we certainly know for both coaches, Mike Norvell and Kirby Smart, they'd rather be doing this than doing that. And they probably had more leverage to get this canceled because they could look to the Orange Bowl and say, do you really want the conversation about your bowl game being who wants to be here and who's playing and who's opting out? Is that really the kind of news cycle you want here? So perhaps these coaches at this time had more leverage to get that canceled than they otherwise would have, and therefore they can go about the business of doing what needs to be done for the football program. And for Georgia, uh, that's out there talking to committed elsewhere prospects and and, and prospects that you you have the commitment from, but you're trying to hold on to. And that is clearly what Georgia's doing right now. Let me show you this from KJ Bolden on Twitter. Of course, Bolden, the outstanding five-star athlete from Buford, 
who's a defensive back in college but also a terrific wide receiver there in high school Bolden uh showing off this photo of both Kirby Smart and or Will Muschamp coming to visit him and obviously Bolden's high school teammate from this past season Dylan Riola the Georgia quarterback commit he saw Bolden kind of reacting to all of this and he had his own message out there on social media there as well saying you know what time it is KJ let's do it so Riola is clearly pushing KJ to make that last minute decision to leave the Florida State class and come be a part of the Georgia class we know after all that Bolden has visited Georgia like something like 16 times prior to his commitment announcement so pretty clearly there's a long-standing relationship here and as we've said before while it's possibly a little bit of a long shot that Georgia could ever win back the uh, commitment of Bolden uh, after the alleged NIL money that Florida State was willing to spend we were never going to fully wave the white flag on that recruiting battle until it was all said and done now we were going to give Georgia a shot to host him during the season for a game Georgia did that perhaps hosting him one more time before signing day we'll see if it kind of goes down that way we were we were never going to give up on Georgia's pursuit of KJ Bolden until it was all said and done now the presence of these Georgia coaches must champion smart in home with Bolden is not an example and evidence that this is all about to change and Bolden's going to flip but it is a reminder of why we said we're not giving up on this because Kirby and Will and those guys they aren't giving up on it either now here is what I would say that Georgia's message to KJ Bolden should be. And frankly, you know, this is a message I would also give to Sammy Brown going to Clemson or anybody else. The college football playoff selection committee, whether fairly or not, and there's certainly plenty of debate being had right now about how fair this is, but the college football playoff selection committee told us in so many words this week that the ACC is a lesser league. And you can say, well, Jordan Travis is hurt and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. If you're the kind of player like a K.J. Bolden or like a Sammy Brown or like anybody in-state who's considering an ACC school or perhaps even going to an ACC school, you need to know that by doing that, you're not playing the sport at the highest level. And Florida State's a good team. They're a worthy adversary for the Orange Bowl and blah, blah, blah. The truth is it is a deficient league. And Florida State would do anything it could do to get out of that league. But they're probably not going to be able to do that while you're in college. So do you really want to spend your college years playing in a lame duck conference that may not even exist by the time you get to the NFL? I mean, if Florida State finds a way to wrestle its way out of the ACC, something that is made a very open secret about wanting to do, if Florida State wrestles its way out of the ACC, will there even be an ACC after that? And if Florida State can get out, we know that Clemson would want to there as well. In fact, there's been plenty of reporting that a lot of schools around the ACC would love to get out if somebody can figure out a way to break this grant of rights contract that's holding this league together. So my message to the Boldens and the Browns and the other in-state players currently slated to go to ACC schools, is this how you want to spend your college career in the final years, the final moments of a league that everyone knows is not going to exist because the powers have that b have determined doesn't have a right to exist is that really what you want to do with your college life the one chance you have to do this in college to go to a league like the acc which has been identified as a lesser league compared to the likes of the sec or perhaps even the big 10 that's what my message would be we'll see how um others choose to kind of push this in the uh, days to come prior to national signing day let me give you one more here real quick I also saw some photographic evidence of Georgia going in home with Nitro Tuggle. The wide receiver commit, obviously, instead of it being Will Muschamp with Kirby Smart, now it's wide receivers coach Brian McClendon. So you love to see Georgia at home with Nitro Tuggle, as Jeff Sintel reported, was it the Ole Miss game? 
that Tuckle attended at Georgia the other day, getting him back on campus was probably a pretty big deal right there for a guy whose recruiting profile has risen up here. And as that recruiting profile has gone up, the level of attention he's gotten seems to have gone up there as well. But it's also fair to point out here with Georgia back in home with Tuckle here, Tuggle's also got an official visit scheduled for not this weekend, but next weekend uh, there to LSU. So Georgia in a fight to hold on to Nitro Tuggle at the same time that it fights to perhaps stay involved with guys like KJ Bolden. It is that time of year. There are transfer portal players leaving UGA, perhaps some coming in. There are big-time recruits that Georgia's trying to hold on to while also going out and trying to steal from other places. This is why these coaches get paid the big bucks. The work of putting the 2024 roster together is taking place here right now, and nobody works harder at that than our folks at Georgia do. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We are presented today by Kroger, and we are happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us, live on video, we start 10 a.m., but even earlier than that on dognation.com, the Dog Nation app, 945 for our first and 15. Across all platforms after that, 10 a.m., radio, Athens Sports Radio 960, the rep, all the podcast platforms there as well. I've gotten a little bit of feedback about a little bit of an issue with some of you on Apple. Now, I'm going to try not to make too big of a deal about this right now because the last time this happened, it kind of cleared itself up in a couple of days. So if you hear from one of your friends that says, gosh, I didn't see Dog Nation Daily on Apple, just know that that's going to probably fix itself because the last time it happened, it did. But also always remind folks, and I depend on some of y'all to help me with the outreach on this, that there's an, we don't ever miss a show. I mean, you know, Christmas Day, we're off. Thanksgiving Day, we're off. We're pretty much always here after that. And this is the reason why we're always here because we want you to know that if it doesn't show up in your feed for whatever reason, then something weird happened. And so if somebody you know says, I didn't see Dog Nation Daily on Apple, tell them to check Spotify, tell them to check uh, YouTube, you know, one of the other platforms. Now it's easy to find the archives at dognation.com, which I think is a really big upgrade for our website. So this is going to probably clean itself up. I don't want to make too big of a deal about this right now, but we have had for some of you on Apple a little bit of a hiccup here. And so uh, that is a reminder to you on all of that. Now, uh, how about Kroger, who brings the show to you here today? And one of the things that Kroger also brings to you there as well, especially this holiday time of year where you want more time to enjoy with your family and friends, you want more money for the stuff that you love to buy this holiday season, well, the membership program from Kroger called Kroger Boost gives you a chance to have more of both of those things. You can get twice the fuel points. So as you're driving around and going all these places, the stuff that you're already buying at Kroger can earn you fuel points. In fact, twice the fuel points compared to a a normal shopping experience. And you can get free grocery delivery there too. So you don't have to spend a whole bunch of time kind of going back and forth. You can have them come right to you. You're getting so many things delivered right now this time of year anyway. It seems like the delivered trucks are in my neighborhood like it's you know 285 most days. So how about Kroger coming by and delivering you some groceries there too? You can find out more about this by going online, Kroger.com slash boost for more on that. That's Kroger.com slash boost for more on that. All right, we are going today get Connor Riley in a moment to pinch hit for Jeff Sintel. Jeff, a little under the weather here this week, as Mike Griffith was a little earlier this week. So we'll get Connor here in a moment on some of the hot topics of the day of who's transferring out, who might be transferring in, who Georgia's trying to hold on to in recruiting, who uh, Georgia's you know trying to wrestle away, uh, all kinds of stuff coming up on that there in a moment with Connor. We'll do that here in a bit. But prior to that, let us go around the doghouse, poured today by our friends at the Finish Long Drink. And I want to go back in time a little bit to yesterday because – if you really want to kind of like frame what the next few weeks are going to be about, there is, I believe, 
a big piece of news, and perhaps that big piece of news has a reverberation with another piece of news. And if you want to lay the foundation for what the conversation is going to be at Georgia looking ahead to 2024, these two dominoes falling are going to certainly be it. It's the possibility that Carson Beck will return here for the 2024 season. Now, the chatter, as I've tried to follow it from people who know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, at one point in time, I was hearing whisper campaigns of, yeah, I think the Beck wants to leave. I think he wants to go to the NFL. I think he's just sort of ready for that. And then as Beck started having the kind of season that he was having, all of a sudden Beck is now on an NFL radar where instead of just being in a hurry to leave, now you have to be aware of, well, how am I being viewed as a prospect? And could I perhaps play my way into the first round here this year? Or if I return in the 2024 season, could I play my way into the first round of the 2025 draft or perhaps near the front end of the first round of the 2025 draft? All of that seems like a very real conversation here for Carson Beck right now and the possibility that Beck could be one of the most coveted draft prospects of all for two drafts from now uh, has kind of seemingly grown the possibility in the minds of a lot of people who watch this stuff closely that Carson Beck might return for the 2024 season I had a chance yesterday to talk to uh, Terrence Edwards about that the great former Georgia wide receiver who follows this stuff so closely Terrence telling us yesterday that Beck's return is something he does kind of expect to take place here this is what Terrence said yesterday even before Brock decides to transfer I would I didn't think Carson would jump into the draft I really think with another year um, him and Shadur Sanders should probably be the top two quarterbacks next year, and I'd rather try to compete for a top ten spot than probably, you know, a late first round to a second round pick. There's just more money. Um, so I, I never assumed that he would leave. You know, being at Georgia, he's waited this long to be the, the starter. One more year won't hurt. Plus now you get opportunity to, you know, earn money. You do kind of wonder how much those last couple of things factor into this. You know, the idea that Beck has waited a long time. And, I mean, I presume that being the quarterback at Georgia is probably a pretty fun thing, I would assume. And it just sort of stands to reason that while there's big-time bucks waiting in the NFL, the idea of another year of doing something really fun like this, if you believe the NFL is still going to be there for you after that, that's not reason enough alone to make this decision. But you got to think there's a little bit of an emotional tug of, Am I really ready to stop doing this so quickly after I just started doing this, after waiting for such a long time and almost obscurity and anonymity, waiting for my moment? Now I'm getting that. Am I ready for this spotlight to end? I mean, a lot of guys have told us their time in college was more fun than their time in the NFL. Now, fun doesn't put food on the table. I understand that. But you've got to think there's a little bit of an emotional pull in the direction of it's probably pretty fun to be the Georgia quarterback. And maybe not in a huge hurry to stop having that kind of fun right now. At least you would you would presume that might be the possibility. The other thing that Terrence brings up there, especially in the age of NIL, where it's not a no-brainer that you would leave and go and get whatever money the NFL offers you because uh, there is the opportunity to counterbalance that with the money you can make in college. And I think there's still a huge understanding, misunderstanding about all of this that no NIL deal is going to match with like the front-end NFL offer will be. If you're a first-round pick or even an early second-round pick, that's still more money than almost any NIL deal is going to be able to pay you. And ultimately, you know, there is probably a market for quarterbacks out there. I don't quite think it's exactly what Matt Rule said it is. 
but it's also not an insignificant amount of money probably either if you just sort of listen to what's being said you know kind of reading between the lines but also the the sort of you know once again off the record people who know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody type stuff there's clearly some money to be made here maybe not quite as much as Matt Rule said for all quarterbacks across the board but it would certainly stand a reason that uh Carson Beck would be in a pretty good place to make himself some pretty good money if he chose to return but how about this what about Beck's possible return also influencing a guy like Ladd McConkey at one point in time I thought was just a done deal and given that he would leave and that he would go somewhere else I know McConkey speaking this week with the National Football Foundation as a part of the honor that he was uh, up for there saying he had not made his mind up yet he does have eligibility he does have the choice to return he's not sure yet what he wants to do there on that Terrence on the show yesterday saying that right now that's a coin flip he sees possibly going either direction here's more from Terrence Edwards with Lad, I'm, I'm 50-50 with. It wouldn't surprise me either way if he decided to come back and, and play a full season healthy or just try his luck in the NFL and uh, and just take his chances. He will get drafted. I think a healthy Lad is, is a second-round pick uh, because he's that dynamic. A hurt Lad may hurt his draft status because he didn't stay healthy this year, and he's going to go through a lot of medical uh, throughout this NFL process. Um, so either way he chooses won't surprise me I think it's an important point that Terrence is making there is that this is a guy McConkey who dealt with two different injuries this year issue with the back issue with the ankle that's the kind of thing NFL scouts going to poke and prod their way around on maybe another year on campus would benefit his overall draft stock selfishly we'd obviously all benefit if Ladd McConkey returned in 2022 this was one of the SEC's most productive receivers full stop his return to Georgia for the 2024 season would be a very big deal. Now, to kind of wrap all of this up, the direction all this is heading is is that you know eventually there's going to be some optimism return to the Georgia fan base overall. The Dog Nation will be feeling really good once again because hope always springs eternal for a program like UGA during the offseason. That's just the way that it goes. If you want to recognize the two big dominoes that could fall that would move you in that direction Beck saying that he's returning Lad McConkey saying he wants to play with him if that were to happen that would indeed be a very big deal for UGA and that is around the doghouse poured today by our friends at the finish long drink and of course if you're getting ready for a really fun holiday party this weekend and there are a lot of those going on the peach flavored version of the finished long drink is a great thing to take with you wherever you're going this holiday time of year to share with others or if you just want to kind of keep it to yourself because you don't like what they're serving the peach flavored version of the finished long drink is going to take really good care of you or maybe for you it's not the peach flavored version of the long drink maybe you want one of the other varieties like the uh, traditional it comes in a blue can got the grapefruit flavor the gin kick or you want the long drink cranberry long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume long drink zero no carbs no sugar whichever option you think is best for you you can figure out where to pick some up today by going to the longdrink.com putting in your zip code and you can find out where the finished long drink is being sold right near you all across the state of georgia here right now our friends at the finished long drink and they bring around the doghouse to us here today all right it is a friday that is not normally a connor riley day but boy what a great privilege it is to have him today because of all the news that's out there and the rumors, the reports that kind of also kind of surface around these topics there as well. So let's cover that ground right now as we talk to Connor Riley here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Kroger. 
from Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. It seems like I have talked to Connor Riley a lot lately, both Dog Nation daily early, early this week, reaction to the college football playoff on Sunday, the Brock Vandergriff news, whatever day that was, Monday I guess it was, and yet this time of year there's also no shortage of things to discuss, so happy to do that with Connor again here today. Connor, thanks for pitch hitting for Jeff Sintel here on a Friday. Uh, Jeff and Mike both a little under the weather here this week. Uh, let me dive into this quickly, if you don't mind, to make good use of all of our time here. Just talking about what uh, Lad McConkey had said at the National Football Foundation event earlier this week, but the fact that he does el- have eligibility, he could choose to return. Terrence Edwards saying yesterday on our show that because of the injury issues that Lad's dealt with, it might be wise to consider returning as a way of showing in 2024 that this is still the same productive receiver that Lad was in 2022. Obviously, that's you know to the benefit of Georgia if Mc- McConkey were to make that decision. Do you think we could see Ladd in a Georgia uniform in 2024? I do. Uh, I think with some of the injuries, you know, it's not like he had a torn ACL or like a, a dislocated elbow or something like that. It, it was sort of a nagging back injury and, and then a nagging ankle injury. And those two things limited him. He missed five games, essentially six, considering he only played six snaps against Tennessee this season. And so I think, you know, there is maybe value in him coming back because even if he goes pro right now, he's absolutely a draftable wide receiver. I think someone that is going to go in that two to four round range. I think if he, if he comes back next year, I think he's got a chance to really help himself. You saw in those games against Missouri and Florida uh, when he was at his healthiest, I think that was the closest he was to 100% this season what he looks like, uh, you know, 220 yards in those two games, I believe the touchdown he had against Florida. Uh, he's absolutely a difference maker when healthy. And I think a guy that could very well play himself into being a first round wide receiver, it's a very deep wide receiver class this year. And that would, I think, push him down a little bit, given some of the questions you have about his injury status that he's had to play through this year. And so I think when you look at the draft picture, along with the fact of what he might be able to do, assuming that Carson does come back next year as well, I think that's a very important piece to factor into this. If you get Carson back and then you thus get Ladd back, that's going to answer a lot of offensive questions you might have had about what Georgia has next year. And so because of, you know, if Ladd can go out there and show he can be healthy for 12, 15 games, I think that go a long way in helping him for his NFL draft future and show that he can be a very productive player. Does it go without saying that this is obviously contingent on Carson Beck coming back, that Ladd's enthusiasm to return to Georgia with a brand-new starting quarterback may not be quite as high as it is if it's a guy that has already proven himself to be as successful as Carson has proven himself to be? I would say yes. I know Kaylee Manziel loves her North Georgia guys, and I'm sure there's a connection there with Ladd McConkey and Gunnar Stockton. But I, I think Glad and Carson both coming in together in that 2020 class, the time that they've spent together, I think you, you're either getting both or you're getting you're either getting both of them or you're getting none of them. Now Carson could come back and Lad still could choose to go pro as well there, obviously. Um, but I don't think if you don't get Carson, I, I don't believe you're getting Lad. My uh, hottest take on this topic is I believe Lad McCon- – if we assume that Carson Beck's returning, which it seems like, you know, based on what you told us earlier this week and the conversation, that may be more likely than not. So if we assume for a moment that Beck is returning, 
I believe that Ladd McConkey returning and fully healthy for next season is a bigger deal than anybody that Georgia could add out of the transfer portal. And I mean that knowing full well the names we've been talking about. To me, this is a first-team all-SEC level wide receiver, and it's the kind of person that I think could really transform the fortunes of next season. Much the same way I felt a year ago when Cedric Von Prong Granger came back, I'd feel pretty similar about Ladd if he were to come back this year. It's the kind of moment that could make the offseason for me. I feel that strongly about it. I would put it right up there with Nolan Smith coming back for yeah. 2022 and Jordan Davis coming back for the 2021 season. Guys who were certainly draftable players after, you know, this is obviously Lad's fourth year in the program, but their third year in the program, they were going, you know, to potentially be drafted. They elect to come back for another season. And, you know, obviously Nolan gets hurt, but he still goes on to be a first-round pick. Jordan Davis goes on to be a first-round pick there. Uh, you know, Cedric Van Pran can win the Remington Award as the best center in college football. Uh, I, I think that there's value in Ladd coming back, along with the fact like we all very clearly understand that Brock Byers is going to be someone that has to go pro. Um, I do think that um, you know Ladd coming back, he has a potential and opportunity to do even more next year for Georgia with with Brock being gone because we never really got a chance to see the two of them at their best or at their healthiest this season. And so with what you can do with him, with another year of potentially Dominic Lovett in the, in the system, the uh, further developed Dylan Bell you have there, Ra Ra Thomas as well, I think you have an offense that is really tailored and set up to have a very big year next year with Ladd being the spearhead there. Let's talk about Trevor Etienne for a minute. There has been some now official on-the-record reporting that uh, Georgia is you know, a factor in Etienne's decision here, or at least expected to be, as he moves on from Florida. Now, you know how much I love making fun of the lousy stinking Gators for their inability to hold on to any players. Obviously, Billy Napier's you know, first recruiting class is essentially all wised up and gotten out of the uh, program, which was, you know, the smart thing for them to do, of course. Uh, but I'm also curious about, you know, kind of the, I guess, the the realness, so to speak, you know, the, the authenticity of the idea that Georgia might really be a landing spot for Etienne. You know, what's your feeling on this overall, Connor? Uh, there are some real legs to this. Uh, my understanding is that Etienne wants to win more than anything else. Uh, I don't know how much NIL is going to be a big factor in this. Uh, Florida, I believe, would have been able to keep him if that were the case. And, and look, Georgia's going to lose Kendall Milton to the NFL draft. They're going to lose Dejon Edwards to the NFL draft. And you can't tell me you know what Branson Robinson is going to be after tearing his patella tendon. Uh, Andrew Paul didn't get a chance to see much out of him this year, still recovering from that ACL injury. Uh, and, and then Roger Robinson only plays in four games because of an ankle injury. Uh, I know you can like what that Georgia brings in, but from the running back room, Nate Frazier, uh, Chauncey Bowens, Dwight Phillips in this recruiting class. But if you have a chance to go out there and get a proven player in Trevor Etienne, I think you have to go do it. I think the big competition here for Georgia to watch their Ohio State really jumps out because they've had some real attrition at the transfer at the running back position already. If they lose Travion Henderson to the NFL draft, uh, I, I think that he has a chance to walk in and be the guy in that running back room. And Ohio State, say what you want about them, uh, still one of the better programs in the country there. So I think Georgia, Ohio State make a lot of sense for ETN. Maybe LSU does as well, given that is where ETN is from. So uh, it, it is absolutely somebody that I think Georgia could add. I think they're going to be picky about who they add at the running back position. But if you have a chance to get a known entity in Travis Etienne, I think you have to take a chance at that. Because yeah, here's the thing. I think this is just a really important thing to keep in mind. You kind of touch on this here for a moment. Nick Chubb, for me, is a very important template on this. Chubb is like one of the greatest running backs literally of all time. And yet in 2016, 
a year removed from the horrific injury of 2015 he was nowhere near the same guy that he would be in 2017 the way that he was in 2014 and frankly the way that he was for a good portion of his NFL career obviously he's dealing with an injury here right now that one year removed from bad injury you're just not the same running back I I think that's one of the reasons why Andrew Paul didn't play more a lot of Georgia fans I'm sure were asking you they certainly asked me how come we're not seeing more of Andrew Paul this was always my answer is because you're just not your best one year removed from the injury you may be healthy enough to play but healthy enough to make the biggest possible impact you can make I don't think that's the case and for Branson Robinson next year I don't mean to be so bearish on a guy that I love you know so you know I I guess this early into the process but if I had to bet the over or under on the productivity from Branson Robinson next year based on expectations I'm probably still leaning a little bit towards the under because of how hard it is to come back from a knee injury like this. You give me two years from now, Branson Robinson, he may lead the SEC in rushing, but I don't know that I could put him in that category next season, one year removed from an injury. I know it'll be kind of a long time by then, but if Nick Chubb is just barely scraping by a thousand yards in 2016, that gives you an idea how hard some of this is to do one year removed from the injury. Yeah, Adrian Peterson is pretty much the only person to come back and look like the remotely same running back a year after an ACL injury. And Adrian Peterson is probably the greatest running back of the 21st century. So it's very difficult, I think, to expect guys coming off major injuries to come back and look like who they are right away. And while a patella tendon is a different injury than an ACL, that might actually be more concerning. I don't even know if Georgia believes that they're going to have Branson Robinson for really anything of spring because of that injury there. And so, again, you just enter a year where you have a lot of uncertainty at that running back position. And if you have a chance to go get a guy that Jordan knows from the recruiting rankings because they did recruit him in Trevor Etienne, a guy that Del McGee has scouted, they understand what he brings to the table, they've played against him. Uh, I think when you have that opportunity to go after a player like that, even though you are bringing in three running backs in this recruiting class, uh, I think you have to take that fact along with, you know, let's consider uh, Nate Frazier won't be enrolling early. Uh, Dwight Phillips is not enrolling early. Chauncey Bones is the only one of those three running backs that's going to be with you in the spring. And while running back, yes, I do think it's potentially an easier position to pick up than some of the other ones uh, on this Georgia team, uh, you know, you're going to need guys that are going to be able to come in and play and grasp that system right away. Uh, you know, you saw it took Ra Ra Thomas to transfer some time to get, to get acclimated to things here. And so, you know, if you're expecting a guy like Nate Frazier to come in and light the world on fire just in rolling over the summer, uh, I'd be very careful in making that proposition. We saw the photos this week of Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp in home with K.J. Bolden. Connor, I said this before you joined us. My message to Bolden or any player like, say, Sammy Brown going to Clemson, any player considering going to the ACC, the College Football Playoff Selection Committee told you this week that the ACC is a lesser league. If an ACC team at 13-0 and can't get into the college football playoff, then the ACC as a league, I think, has to be considered on life support. It, it can't survive if it's being disregarded that flippantly by the playoff selection committee. Florida State would do anything it could to get out of the ACC. Right now, they're probably contractually obligated to remain, but they would leave if they could. So my message to a Bolden, my message to anybody considering going to an ACC school is, if you want to play the sport at the highest level, this league can't even be a consideration. I don't care how much money Florida State's going to pay you. You are playing in a lesser league, and if you want to be the best possible player, you need the best possible competition. And the playoff selection committee this week told you that's not the ACC. If you're K.J. Bolden, I don't think you can go to the Atlantic Coast Conference. 
I think KJ Bolden's going to end up at Florida State. Maybe he ends up at Auburn. I don't believe KJ Bolden's ending up at Georgia. Uh, based off what we've seen from the types of guys Georgia's recruited in years past and the way those recruitments have gone, Georgia just doesn't win for guys like KJ Bolden. Uh, I know he shared a picture of him and Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp yesterday. Uh, you know, I understand that Dylan Rayola uh, tagged along on that visit there as well. Uh, you can make the pitch all you want. You can say that you shouldn't go play for an ACC program. I'm just incredibly skeptical that Georgia's going to be able to win this recruitment. Uh, you know, they had a chance the first time around. They were thought to be the favorites. He ended up picking Florida State. Uh, I don't really mean to be a wet blanket here, but, you know, look, uh, he was, you know, sharing photographs, uh, you know, in Auburn, and Auburn's making a bush, big push here, I would say, if he's not going to end up at Florida State. Auburn maybe seems like the more likely sort of place for him, especially with, I think, the bags that Auburn is throwing around when it comes to recruiting right now. Uh, if you're Georgia, yeah, you check the boxes and you try to make sure yourself you're, you're well positioned for Bolton if he does ultimately enter the transfer portal one day. Um, but I can't sit here and sugarcoat and say that you know because Florida State didn't get into the college football playoff, we're going to have a chance at KJ Bolden because I just don't believe that to be the case. Well, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I don't. I mean, my my pick right now would not be Bolden to Georgia. What I have said about this the entire time was I didn't think that Georgia would wave the white flag on this and continue to recruit him all the way to the end, and then we would sort of see what happens. And I think you know that's kind of where it is right now not likely to occur but also georgia completely unlikely to give up but how about the idea moving forward here i mean i do think if you're georgia and you're looking to recruit alongside a a clemson or a florida state these kind of regional rivals here you've got to use the league they play in against them here and you've got to kind of point out here that it's just not the same level of competition if there was a 12 team playoff this year 10 of those 12 schools in the playoff would either be in the you know the the new look SEC or the new look Big Ten that the chasm between the haves and the have-nots is only growing wider uh, despite the fact that Clemson and Florida State still win their share of recruiting battles here but I think the obvious truth that the committee told us this week I think that's going to be a part of the Georgia recruiting pitch going forward if you want to be a part of the uh, best competition you can't go to this league. I mean, the SEC is going to get a team in the college football playoff every year because conference champions get into the college football playoff there and so and I think this year with Florida State, with what they did, even if they lost, uh, you know, to say Louisville in the ACC championship game, Florida State's still probably getting into the college football playoff. Uh, considering you look at some of the teams further down there, you know, a, t- a two-loss Ole Miss team would have gotten in, a two-loss Penn State team would have gotten in, a two-loss Missouri team would have gotten in there as well. Uh, you know, like I, I, the ACC, uh, you know. And frankly, look, we can look at the Pac-12 as an example of this. Uh, a year ago, two years ago, you know, we were all, well, this is a lesser league, what's going on? And then this year it comes out, and I think the Pac-12 is the strongest conference, top to bottom, uh, in the entire country there. So this stuff does change, and it does cycle through. Obviously, the ACC has some issues of its own there. But I'm not necessarily with you in terms of making grand sweeping statements about the ACC or about a conference based on a one-year thing, uh, you know, uh, the ACC is what the ACC is, and while, yes, it's not as deep as the SEC and certainly won't be with the additions of Texas and Oklahoma, uh, to say that you can't win there and can't have success there in the playoffs, I mean, in my mind, the ACC is not any worse than it was three, four, five years ago when Clemson was at the top of it, and Clemson had no issue beating Alabama uh, to win national titles at that point. Let me finish with this. We haven't checked in on some of this transfer portal stuff the last couple of days. There are more names have gone in. Jared Zirkle, the kicker. Obviously, Makai Mews yesterday. That may have been one of the more 
eye-opening name just because McHugh's, Mew's the guy that you know played a good bit for Georgia this year as the punt returner. Uh, Xavier Story, I guess the highest-rated recruit, I believe, to go into the portal here thus far, but also a guy that had a hard time kind of holding off some of these incoming freshmen there at the linebacker spot. Give me a little bit of a snapshot of the most recent additions into the portal from Georgia and maybe kind of where this is going next in terms of I don't know if you want to openly speculate about a name that might go in, but just, you know, kind of at this point in time, you know, Georgia continuing to see that little slow leak of players out of the program with probably more still yet to come. Yeah, Georgia's already had 11 guys enter the transfer portal. I expect that to, to maybe climb, especially here, you know, with bowl practice uh, starting on Saturday. Uh, you know, McConaughey, I understand why some people might be surprised by that. Uh, he was not on scholarship this year, and, and I do believe that he is looking for a, a scholarship opportunity somewhere else, uh, along with the fact that I think you saw at the SEC championship game on Georgia's most important punt return of the season. Yeah. It wasn't McConaughey that went returning it there. It was That's Anthony right. Evans. And That's right. I think you're fair to wonder maybe why Evans wasn't doing that more earlier in the season, given some of the muffs that uh, Muse had there. Sorry and Lightsey going into the transfer portal aren't all that surprising considering Georgia's bringing in Justin Williams, Chris Cole, Chris Jones at the linebacker position and, you know, potentially waiting to hear what Small Munden and Jermon Dumas Johnson do in terms of their uh, NFL futures there. And so I do think that, you know, uh, you know, none of this to this point has been all that surprising. I would say a name to sort of monitor and has been thrown out there is Julian Humphrey, uh, a guy that played a good bit for Georgia this year. I know he became very popular among the fan base based off his play against Missouri. Uh, we'll see what ends up happening there. There's been some quote-unquote online chatter about that. Uh, having said that as well, though, even if Georgia does lose Kamari Lasseter, I think with what you look at Georgia has in this cornerback room, I, Dalen Everett, A.J. Harris, uh, Daniel Harris, I think is going to be a really, really talented player. They, this coaching staff really likes Chris Peel, along with the fact that you're bringing in the number one cornerback in the country. And Ellis Robinson, uh, you know, Julian Humphrey is certainly, I think, a name to watch going forward. We'll see, you know, what he ultimately ends up doing. But uh, the reality is, Georgia, you know there are going to be some surprises from this every year. You know, I think if we sat here a year ago and said that A.D. Mitchell and Bear Alexander would transfer out, uh, that certainly would have registered as far more shocking than Julian Humphrey. And so that's just sort of the nature of the portal. Yes, to this point, there have been a lot of expected names that have gone into the transfer portal. But I think if you follow this closely enough, you know that there are always going to be some surprises. Let me squeeze in really, really quickly here one more thing on Humphrey, because you know I think that we know how much Georgia values competition. They want to compete, put the best guys out there. There's also a little bit, I'm, I'm sure, of a temptation on the part of some Georgia fans, if they could be in the position of Georgia coach trying to hold on to Humphrey of – you know, basically saying, "Hey, you know, stick here. You're going to be the guy next year. You're going to get you're going to get a chance to start at cornerback for Georgia. This is your spot next year. That's better than starting at cornerback anywhere else in, in the country. Like, how much of a, I guess, a promise? You know, do you think a Georgia coaching staff would be willing to make there? They're not obviously not going to say, "Hey, we guarantee you're going to be the starter." But how close in that direction do you think they might veer in a, a situation like that where when he played, he looked pretty good and it's really stand to reason that his experience would give him a leg up over other probably pretty talented guys. What do you think the pitch would be to keep Humphrey, in other words? I don't think they promise him playing time, and some people might scoff at that, but you can't praise the corner, the talent that Georgia has in the cornerback room and the level that they've recruited at and, and then say oh yeah but we're not going to make this an open competition all these other equally that's talented fair. guys there yep. as well that's fair uh, i think it's also worth pointing out uh julian humphrey does not have a position coach right now at georgia uh fran brown is now currently the head coach at syracuse and it's worth mentioning as well that julian humphrey is from houston texas and you know Bear alexander from texas 
A.D. Mitchell from Texas. Mitchell obviously ends up moving back closer to home, playing for the Texas Longhorns. Mitchell or Alexander goes across the country and plays for USC. While you know, I'm not saying this specifically about Texas recruits, but when you go and recruit nationally and you go outside that sort of 300 mile, five hour radius, which Georgia did to go and get Humphrey, this is something you potentially run the risk of of those guys deciding. I've got my ring, uh, and while Humphrey obviously didn't play uh, a big role in Georgia's championship team last year, he was obviously around and with the program, uh, they might decide they want to move back closer to home and be playing for those programs down there. So I do think that that is something to consider moving forward as well. There you have it from Connor Raleigh. Could not be more clear. Don't mess with Texas. <laughs> Apparently moving forward here. Uh, Connor, good stuff. Thanks for uh, pensioning here. A little extra time from you on Dog Nation Daily. Uh, very, very interesting uh, conversation. We'll look forward to reading more from you there at dognation.com as well. Yep, as always, it's a pleasure. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. I think what Connor just said there about Julian Humphrey is the very real discussion that's being had right now across all the places. Because you're very tempted to want to say, like, whatever it takes to 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 get a guy to stay. I mean, obviously no one, you know, values lying, of course, and you would never want to be a liar but you are tempted to want to like make the pitch that's the most appealing oh man you are set up you you are you're the guy next year and honestly julian humphrey based on way the way that he played at times this year maybe he might be the guy and you know i don't have anything to report on what connor said there connor bringing up that name i don't have anything to add to that in terms of reporting standpoint i'm just talking about it because connor brought you know brought him up brought it up as a name but it is an interesting template for how these discussions go on and yet if you do have ellis robinson coming in if you do have you know harris and you have these guys kind of waiting in the wings you do, if you're trying to be your most honest and authentic self, you do have to give a lot of credence to the idea of much the same way Xavier and Sori found it very difficult to hold off the C.J. Allens and the Raylan Wilsons. You know, Humphrey's going to be in a battle to hold off these younger guys there too. Now, would I favor him to do that because of uh, the way that I saw him play at times this year? I probably would, but it's still real. And then you say, well, some of y'all would obviously say, well, he needs to be in over Dalen Everett. A lot of you kind of wanted that when Humphrey was healthy anyway which is kind of I guess a further complication to all of this but this is sort of the name of the game it's one of the reasons why we said that moving forward the job of coach is like general manager as much as in anything else I don't worry too much about Georgia not having a cornerbacks coach right now because I believe that Kirby Smart is deeply intimately aware of everything going on with this position group as much as any other position group on the field but how you manage the egos how you manage the aspirations how you manage just the availability of NIL funds and, and just the roster spots. That's a very big part of the conversation right now. And you know this rumor as it would relate to uh, Humphrey, uh, if that is indeed the case, would certainly be an example of just how true that is. Now, with that said, let us get ready to go cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, one of the things I want you to circle, it's not too soon to start thinking about the summer coming up in july of 2024 in the debut of utopia of the seas let me tell you why i love utopia of the Seas so much you know it seems like all the time we're having all these conversations about all the things that are kind of going on uh with our family my daughter's got gymnastics my son loves baseball he's involved in all that kind of stuff you know my wife's got her stuff i've got my stuff everybody's just got stuff going on and so for us when we think about a cruise vacation oftentimes one of the things we're thinking about is one of those three or four night cruise vacations uh, just because it's just a little bit easier for us to plan around everything else we have going on. And for us, when we're cruising, we're oftentimes going down to Port Canaveral because, you know, we're driving there. It's just sort of south of Orlando. Uh, we're kind of going to Orlando a decent amount. Sometimes it seems like anyway. And so, therefore, 
you kind of get past Orlando, you're there, super convenient. The three and four night sailings, uh, a good convenient option for us there too. And now Royal Caribbean is saying, for those of you kind of that kind of view the three and four night options as your best option, if you like sailing out of Port Canaveral, we're going to start offering you Oasis class ships on those three and four night sailings. That means our Dog Nation cruise in April is going to be on an Oasis class ship, Allure of the Seas, and in July of 2024, Utopia of the Seas, the brand new Royal Caribbean cruise ship, the Oasis class ship, it'll debut as a part of those three and four night sailings, you know, going out of Port Canaveral. So if you want the best cruise experience that Royal Caribbean can provide and anyone can provide, an Oasis class ship, perhaps on a three or four night sailing, may be a good option for you. Talk to Jessica Slater about that. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. You can also email her, Slater at dreamvacations.com. Great travel agent, specially selected for us by Royal Caribbean. She can help you out with all your Royal Caribbean cruise vacation needs all right let's kind of bounce through a handful of stories here for a moment starting with lt over and chad simmons from on three is reporting that overton is going to visit alabama i believe here today and then south carolina at some point in time this weekend so the thought here is if georgia needs the big massive upgrade along the defensive line some of these former elite recruits leaving texas a&m could be a big option there overton may be the one that you have if you're Georgia, the best shot at, because that was the guy you seem to have the deepest connection with when he was a recruit. You'll remember he reclassified to join uh, A&M's class a couple of years ago, and Georgia was kind of in the mix at that point in time. So now second chance on this, maybe Georgia and Overton might be uh, an opportunity to kind of do this again. But for now, according to Chad, who knows this stuff pretty well, it's Alabama today, South Carolina this weekend. That's according to reporting that's out there. So we'll obviously follow some of this as you have recruiting visitors this weekend, but also portal visitors too. I believe London Humphreys, the Vanderbilt receiver, is slated to visit Georgia here this weekend. So we're obviously following that pretty closely. Let me also mention, you know, it's one of those things where it's bittersweet for me because I do love the Army-Navy game. I love this for like every reason. My dad was an Army vet, and he didn't go to West Point. Uh, but my dad was a uh, is an Army was an Army veteran. Uh, passed away, of course, a couple of years ago. So you know, our family kind of always cheered for Army in this game. A lot of you have the ties to the Navy, and you sort of cheer for the Naval Academy here in this game. So if you've got some sort of tie to one of these branches of the armed services, obviously, games sort of mean something for you on that. I love the pageantry of the walk in of the midshipmen and the cadets, kind of doing their thing there. The uniforms and the student body always look so impressive. You know, clearly these are some of our best and brightest that play in a game like this and attend a school like this. It's just a really cool thing. There's also beyond this the aspect of I really like college football that's not connected to the college football playoff. And around here, if you name checked a phrase that I use probably more than anything else on this show over the course of a year, college football playoff may come pretty close to being the phrase we say maybe more than anything else because for a program like Georgia, we are sort of obsessed with the playoff. But the sport's not the playoff. The playoff is a small aspect of the sport. And here we have Army-Navy playing the week after the playoff field's announced, a week after conference championship weekend. This has been their uh, sort of special spot because this is a game that's sort of about, in a roundabout way, the purity of the sport, away from kind of the playoff and all the NIL stuff and all the stuff that goes on there. I really enjoy that. I believe that Bill Belichick, I think, is the special guest picker on ESPN's College Game Day this week. Belichick's obviously a big football fan, so he's kind of tied in on all of this. Plus... <laughs> And I hate to, after all that, like, very, very, you know, uh, sentimental feeling about this spoil it with gambling talk. There's also the long-standing tradition of these games between service academies going under the total, which is something that people will be obviously watching very closely uh, on Saturday there as well. 
but I am here for every part of uh, the Army-Navy game. And as I said before, it's bittersweet because after all these weekends of football, 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 seems like there's a little bit less of that. There's Army-Navy on Saturday. There's a little bit of FCS playoff. You know, this is normally the weekend we get state championships in Georgia high school football. That's not until Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of next week. So we're even a little less football this particular weekend than normal. I'm like diving headfirst, trying to find something to be caring about when it comes to the NFL, Falcons, Bucks for the, you know, nfc south you know if that gets you excited at all uh you know supremacy in the division on the line there i don't know if that's supposed to do it for you or not but the closest we have to college football this weekend is army navy and i am here for it so you're getting ready for all of that i also want to finish with this real quick i can i tell you a guy that i have completely done an about face on i used to be very suspicious of this dude frankly probably didn't like him very much I am totally all in 100% on Missouri coach Eli Drinkwitz now. I, I, I don't know. I, now, he'll do something about Georgia coming up in a year or so, and then I'll turn my back on him again. But for now, I am all in on Drinkwitz. So the other day, he was doing an interview with somebody about playing Ohio State in a bowl game, which, by the way, Ohio State-Missouri for a bowl game, whichever bowl game it is, uh, that's a pretty fun bowl game, I think. Uh, Missouri, obviously, top 10 season, uh, you know, good job a chance to beat a name brand like Ohio State. You better believe Drinkwitz can sell that. And that St. Louis area, Missouri, recruiting-wise, there's some talent there. And so Missouri, has, the University of Missouri, is going to put a, t- a little bit of a pipeline there. Uh, so the game against Ohio State is probably a pretty big deal for Drinkwitz in that respect. But he had the joke where he's like about playing Ohio State. Hold on, I got Connor Stallions on the other line. Got to get some signs uh, from him. That's just funny, right? I mean, Drinkwitz sort of looks a little bit like a dork, but sometimes – dorky people can also be funny at least i would like to think that's true because uh <laughs> i certainly aspire to be a funny dorky person but the point is some of the things that Drinkwitz does can be a little bit funny and he also is one of those guys that seemingly is sort of okay with speaking his mind he was doing a different interview and he was talking about how well he felt like florida state got robbed in terms of the college football playoff now i don't agree with Drinkwitz on that i do not believe the seminoles were robbed for this playoff opportunity but I think it's kind of cool here, and he did acknowledge sort of being an SEC guy while going on to say that Florida State got robbed. The fact that Drinkwitz doesn't necessarily feel the need to toe the company line and be SEC, 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 the fact that he would dare say something that might run afoul of Alabama, I don't know. I kind of like that from Drinkwitz. Uh, he's a guy that's sort of his own man, willing to sort of speak his mind here. It's a weird personality for an SEC coach. He sort of looks like an SEC coach's accountant more so than an SEC football coach. Uh, but nonetheless, I would say this vibe for him is kind of working here right now. So credit to him for that. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean, as uh, Eli Drinkwood speaks out against uh, Alabama, not really against Alabama, but in favor of Florida State, uh, despite the fact that the SEC, I'm sure, would like for him to say something differently. Now, obviously no postgame show for us on Saturday, which, to be honest with you, I'm just really sad about. I, I was telling this to our buddy uh, Cody who's here with us today and uh, producing for us, that you'd think first weekend, no high school football for me, no college football, I'd just be like kicking back and just getting ready for a great weekend. Honestly, I just wish we had games this weekend. I just really, really do. I, I wish we did. I wish we were doing a post-game show on Saturday. Uh, and if we were, we'd obviously give out a player of the game, courtesy of our friends at the Jay Stein Law Firm. Now, while there's no football for me, I still can tell you a very important thing to keep in mind if you or someone you love is hurt or injured in an accident. 
that one of the most important calls you can make is that representation for you in a situation like that because you want the compensation you feel you deserve. And no one's going to fight harder for you to give you that compensation, to earn that compensation for you than our friends at the J. Stein Law Firm. Josh Stein's a two-time graduate of the University of Georgia, double dog. He loves dog fans. He loves working on behalf of dog fans. And with a lot of these personal injury firms, they're gigantic. And you see the billboards and TV commercials, and it seems like some of them stretch across the country. Well, for a firm that large, all you are to them, perhaps, is just a manila folder. Case number, no personal attention, no personal relationship, no personal understanding of your specific needs. That's what the J. Stein Law Firm can provide, sort of a boutique style of service in a field that can certainly use a lot more small firm attention. So find Josh Stein and his uh, entire team online, jsteinlawfirm.com. That's jsteinlawfirm.com. All right, we'll wrap up here today. And as I told you off the top of the show, while I wish I was a better person, I am unfortunately as God made me, which is a little bit petty here at times. So we'll do a lot of petty as it relates to our golden shoes to wrap up here on a Friday. In fact, let me show you the first one, which I believe I've had to censor here. (laughs) This is really funny. Dustin Kreider sent this to me, funny guy in his own right. It's the uh, Sit Your Blank at Home Bowl sponsored by Ashley Furniture. featuring Florida against Colorado. Uh, that would be the kind of bowl that a, a furniture store might uh, sponsor here. Uh, sitting on that furniture, sitting your you-know-what at home, and clearly that's what Colorado and Florida are both doing here right now. So very funny stuff from Dustin. We'll give him a golden shoe for that. Uh, the kind of fictitious Ashley Furniture Bowl there, uh, pretty funny. How about our next golden shoe going out here there as well, keeping the, uh, the petty alive here a little bit. Dog Guy on Twitter sends this to me. It's the college football playoff logo, but instead of playoff, it says payoff with the Alabama A in between. (laughs) Listen, I am here for all of this. If people are still a little spiteful, a little petty about the playoff stuff, um, I'll take all your spiteful, petty memes. We'll we'll give you golden shoes for that. That's pretty funny for dog. First of all, this is just really well executed. Like the Alabama A, like right there in the playoff logo, whoever did that, that's just very, very well executed. And then Adam Scott on a more serious note sends this. We talked yesterday about the, uh, I believe, controversy of the georgia texas game next year being the same weekend as the american grand prix at the circuit of the americas right there in the austin area well adam writes and this is actually very helpful he says that if georgia fans are looking to come to austin for the game next year there are new hotels opening up that haven't started taking reservations yet he says you got citizen m fairfield Inn, hilton all for instance and that might be a place where some people can snag a room when available so really good stuff from adam uh, scott on that we appreciate that, and we'll take that advice to good use, hopefully, and we'll also give him a golden shoe for being so magnanimous to the rest of our audience on all of that. Lousy, stinking Gators, losing uh, players to the transport portal left and right, just trying to field a team for 2024, frankly, to be honest with you. And the news gets no better when you think about the fact that it's been 1,126 days since they've beaten Georgia, and that is a number we're going to watch climb up, up, up and up for a whole long time to come and by the way we do now officially have a date for the georgia florida game uh next year so we can also maybe start doing a gator hater countdown again there as well so we'll talk about that we'll figure out how, how that's all going to work and we'll see you back here monday dog nation daily presented by kroger have a great weekend everybody